0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: What's going on, everybody? It is another edition of Phillies Today. Justin Morgenstein here to talk about, unfortunately, one of the biggest disappointments in this city's recent memory. The Phillies go down in the NLCS in just absolutely brutal heinous, unceremonious fashion to the 84-win Arizona Diamondbacks (laughs) after holding a 2-0 lead and a 3-2 series lead, heading home to Citizens Bank Park to close out the series. And just what a soul-crushing way for this team to go down after everything this group has been through this year, after a great regular season with so many moments, Bryce's 300th, the tray-standing ovation, uh, the Lorenzen no-hitter, And then in the postseason, taking down the 104-win Braves and looking like they were on their way to really something special here and uh, a potential parade down Broad Street. But um, credit to the Diamondbacks, I guess, do not want to take away what they were able to accomplish, but it really feels like this team gave away an opportunity that was right in front of them. You You look at the postseason and you really thought that this was the best team left and It could potentially be the best shot they have at a title over the next few years with this core. And obviously, we'll see what happens over the course of the offseason and the next couple of years. But this one stinks, man. This one is going to sting for a while. Undoubtedly, one of the worst playoff series, uh, playoff game losses of my lifetime. So we're going to get into all of it. We'll sign some blame. uh, Just talk about what went wrong and even get a little bit into Dave Dombrowski's press conference yesterday. And what he needs to do in the offseason to get this team back to the World Series and keep them as a title contender uh, in baseball next year. So we will dive into all that stuff. But first, let's get into some takeaways from this series against the Diamondbacks. For me, after having some time to let the Game 7 loss marinate and let it sit with me for a few days, the majority of the blame I'm putting on for things going south the way they did mainly after Game 2, but specifically during Game 6 and 7 at Citizens Bank Park, is the offense just going completely cold. I wish we could find out what the real reason is and why this happened to so many different guys at the same time. But you watch these games, and the at-bat quality, which is absolutely horrible down the stretch of the series, like borderline embarrassing. I thought the most important stat, and you've probably seen it by now, and I didn't even realize it until after... Game 7 and the series was over, but Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and Nick Castellanos being 0 for their last 23 was just a recipe for an absolute disaster, and that's what happened. They went completely cold, uh, tried to do way too much in the last couple of games, obviously putting a lot of pressure on themselves and pressing in their at-bats, which I think the Phillies haven't really done all season, so to have that happen the last couple of games was, you know, really tough to see, and uh, just a ton of all or nothing in these approaches. Just not doing the little things well. And there's nothing I <laughs> there's nothing I dislike more than the term small ball. I think it gets way overused. And honestly, I just think it doesn't apply to a lot of situations. But the Diamondbacks, specifically in Game 7, you have to give them a little credit for this. were able to manufacture runs without extra base hits in a game in which the pitching was very competitive. And you have to be able to do that in a playoff run when you're not able to hit the homers, look, the Phillies, when they played the Braves, they were able to absolutely just mash their way to wins. And that's fine. You can do that if you have the ability to, but just know it's always going to come around at some point and you're going to have to find a way to manufacture runs in another type of you know setting, not hitting the homer. And you're just going to have to be able to get guys across to be able to, you know, score in some way, especially in a game seven. like it's it, obviously both seasons are on the line here and you're trying to you know get any sort of inch you can. And the Diamondbacks were able to do that and the Phillies simply were not. And like I said, obviously it's unbelievable when this team is hitting the ball out of the ballpark left and right. But you kind of knew in the back of your mind that that type of production was, was not sustainable. And to me, there were a couple at-bats in game seven that just kind of exemplified why the Phillies lost this series and came up so so short on the offensive side. Uh, They cast the honest at-bat in the bottom of the fourth when he strikes out with guys on first and third. It's just completely unacceptable. It's just, that was the inning where Stock is the opposite field RBI double to take the lead, 2-1, and all the momentum is completely on your side. Ballpark is buzzing. Everybody is ready for you to start piling this on. And then to not be able to have an approach in that at-bat and just simply put the bat on the baseball... And find a way to keep the line moving is just absolutely brutal, and I think that the real turning—that was a real turning point in that game for both teams because then you have Rojas strikes out uh, right away, and that felt like just a giant missed opportunity. And I also thought Rob Thompson should have pinch hit for Rojas in that situation. And you know, even if the Diamondbacks were to put in a lefty to combat that, you just pinch hit for the pinch hitter with Apache you know, or Sosa if you wanted to. But yeah. You know, People could argue that you lose your only left-handed bench bat besides Stubbs, but I I don't think losing Jake Cave would have really you know, been that big of a deal. Uh, but we'll get more to Topper in a little bit here. But uh, just them not being able to capitalize there gave the Diamondbacks life, and it was one of the last times the Phillies had any real significant traffic on the base pass in this game. And with the other frustrating inning being that bottom of the seventh where they get Pache on a walk and Schwarber on a walk, and then you have your two big money, 300 million dollar hitters coming up. And they don't they don't they do nothing for you. They come up small. Turner not advancing the runners, even if Turner's able to get the guy to third. I'm not telling Trey Turner bunt right there, but I'm just saying, look, you're Trey Turner. You're one of the best hitters in the game. Have an approach and get him at least to third base because then Harper flies out to left and then the our center, it was center left, I forget. But then you're not able to manufacture that run and Bring him in on a sack fly and A two-run deficit at that time felt like a five-run deficit. You needed to do anything you can to bring that to a one-run game. They were not able to. Uh, Harper missed the pitch he usually capitalizes on. And it was just absolutely jarring and unsettling to see those guys, your superstars, your big-money players, not show up when the lights are brightest. And it's a big reason why this hurts so badly. You just, you knew in that moment in the Turner and Harper inning where they were not able to score those runs, that it was going to come down to that. And then once they didn't, that was it, man. It was just, again, heartbreaking to watch. You just knew it in the moment that after they got out, it was all butt over. But, uh, you know, we'll get back to Rob Thompson here. You can go back and look at a lot of things in this series. And look, I'm as big of a Rob Thompson fan as you will find in this city. I think he's, has the demeanor and his managing style fits this team perfectly and is a big reason why they've had so much success uh, since he took over in the, uh, after Joe Girardi was fired in 2022. Uh, the players love him. He runs a great clubhouse, but he made some crucial mistakes in this series. There's no doubt about it. And to me, it starts with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, I'll give uh, Rob credit. In his press conference yesterday, he was accountable, said he would have managed the bullpen a little differently in this series looking back. But my biggest thing is there's a difference between trusting your guys, and which he's done over the course of his managerial career here in Philadelphia so far, and having blind faith in someone. And that's what he did by bringing Craig Kimbrell into that game in Game 4 with a two-run lead. Everybody, and I mean everybody watching that game, everyone here at WIP, uh, all the fans at the game. My mom was even texting me saying, why are they bringing Kimberle in the game? And I didn't even know what to say to her because she was right. Uh, everybody watching that game knew how that was going to go. He's pitched the most innings he's thrown in years this season. He's had zero fuel for that breaking ball now over the course of the last couple months. And he he's getting behind in counts. So he started laying up 94 mile an hour fastballs down the middle and you let free, freaking Alec Thomas beat you. It was just absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, while we're on the subject, I, I can never see Kimbrell in Philly's uniform again, please. Uh, he, had a, he had a really good season, I think, given expectations when they signed him. But this is what Craig Kimbrell does. He did this in the 2018 uh, postseason when the Red Sox, when they won it all. Uh, they did bring in Chris Sale out of the bullpen for games because they were scared to go to him in the postseason. Hell, he was, he was left off the Dodgers postseason roster last year. So, yeah, just, just brutal. Just... <laughs> just absolutely brutal but besides that i didn't think that thompson was the primary reason they lost this series i thought you know a couple other things that he could have done differently i thought he could have stretched sanchez out a little more in game four so that we didn't have to get to kimbrell and that the bullpen wasn't just he kind of managed himself into a corner there because he had to use a lot of his high leverage guys like hoffman you also could argue he went to kirkering potentially one too many times obviously his slider was not there in this series and he uh they didn't want to throw his fastball for whatever reason. It's got to just be a really straight fastball with no movement, and I assume that that will be something that he and the uh, pitching coach staff will work on this offseason for sure. But uh, And I guess the last thing is, again, I know Rob Thompson. People consider him stubborn, but I do like the trust he puts in his guys. I probably would have pulled the trigger and switched JT and Bohm because it felt like JT was seeing it really well this postseason. And it potentially could have given Bryce a little more protection. But again, I don't think it's the reason they lost, especially not in game seven because bone goes and hits that home run. But yeah, that I don't blame this on Rob Thompson, but this was certainly not his best series and that he is a contributing factor as to why they are not in the world series right now. So again, he was accountable for it. He's going to be back next year. I still like Rob Thompson, the manager for the Phillies. They have won a ton of games under him. So that's where I'm at with Topper right now, but all right. Now that we got, now that we got the fun stuff out of the way from the Diamondback series, I want to move on to the Dombrowski presser and kind of just the rest of the outlook of the off season. So just some house cleaning stuff here. Uh, Dave Dombrowski confirmed that the entire staff will be retained, aside from bullpen coach Dave Lundquist and assistant hitting coach Jason Camilli. Not that that's overly important, but just some minor changes there. Of course, some people have to get scapegoated at one point. So I guess that is the reasoning for that. And I'm going to get into my biggest takeaways from the Dabrowski press conference yesterday. And they were this first Nola is the biggest priority, this soft season. And if they can't re-sign Aaron Nola, uh, they will be going after high end starting pitching, which again, if they can't get Nola, that will be the priority. So That was pretty evident from what he said. And second thing was Bryce Harper, I think, will determine if he goes back to the outfield next year. And that, as a result, will determine if Reese Hoskins is back on the team for the 2024 season. Uh, And something I at least thought was pretty interesting when I heard him saying it as the last interesting thing I had was him not guaranteeing Johan Rojas a spot on the roster to start the year next season. We obviously saw the struggles that Rojas had, and I'll get into it a little more right here. But yeah, I think that was a smart uh, thing to say, just considering the struggles he had and that he's going to have to work really hard this offseason to improve his bat and to be a a legitimate threat at the plate, which he was not. So we'll get into that a little bit. But so first, I want to start with the Nola thing. Uh, It is pretty obvious to me that this team needs to bring Aaron Nola back. I understand he did not have the year we expect from Aaron Nola, from a pitcher looking for $25 million, potentially $30 million plus a year. But after the mechanical changes he made towards the end of the year, I thought he was really steady and ultimately proved he can give you good starts in the postseason. He did it for the second year in a row. I know his last start wasn't, you know, he gave up the back-to-back home runs, and he didn't look as good as he had in the division and the wildcard series, similar to last year. But uh, now I've heard some fans bringing up Blake Snell, who is likely the Cy Young winner in the National League this year, and is going to get a deal, I think, pretty similar to Aaron Nola. I think they're the same age. Uh, they both strike out a lot of guys. But at least for me, if I get them a similar price points, I think I'm still bringing back Aaron Nola. Because to my big thing with Nola that I appreciate him for is he throws strikes, A, and he posts every day. He didn't miss a single start this season. And he's pitched He's been in the top five in Major League Baseball in innings pretty much every year since he started his career. And he's almost two strikeouts per nine better than Blake Snell, and he pitches more innings, like I just said. And I just like the track record and the durability factor. I just think that I know what you're getting from Aaron Nola. We've seen him at his best. We've seen him at his worst. And if you can get something done with Aaron Nola, I think it is very, very important to keep him in a Phillies uniform next year because – When Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola are going the way that they have the last two postseasons, that's as dominant of a 1-2 as you're going to get. And we've seen it. We've seen the Phillies be carried by their starting pitching almost for two consecutive years to the World Series. So I am bringing Aaron Nola back. And Dabrowski, speaking of Zach Wheeler, also mentioned that he hopes to have Zach Wheeler in a Phillies uniform for a long time. He didn't get into specifics, but you would hope there were some extension talks this offseason and that they can get something done. Because Zach Wheeler has proved that he is a superstar, man. He is one of the best big-game pitchers in the sport, a bona fide ace. And I just think that this Phillies team needs those two guys at the top of their rotation. It's been such a big part of why they've been so successful over the last two seasons. So that is where I'm at with Nola Wheeler, the starting pitching, If Noel is not back, then they will need high-end starting pitching, and they're going to get it either signing someone like Snell or looking at the trade market. So that's the deal with starting pitching. The next notable thing was the Harper situation and him potentially being back at first base moving forward or moving back to right field. Dombrowski said that he and the front office will sit down with Bryce really soon and talk about whether or not he'd be more comfortable being at first moving forward. Or if he wants to move back to the outfield, which of course you know, he's been his whole career prior to the elbow, they didn't make it seem like Reese Hoskins was high on the priority list, I will say, to begin with. But if Bryce wants to move back to the outfield and first base is open, then I feel like that just opens a lane for Reese Hoskins to come back. I know that the outfield uh, defense is typically or would definitely be better with Bryce Harper being at first base. Then you can you know, have Marsh uh, platooning with whoever in left field. And then you've center field open, which again, Rojas is not guaranteed to be on the opening day roster, they said. But it gives you a little more defensive versatility, I would say, because you still have Schwarber in the DH role. But you, there's no doubt that Bryce Harper is a really good first baseman. Like He has been playing for less than a season, and he looked really good over there at times. So again, the fan in me, I've been a big Reese Hoskins fan ever since he came up. Hit all those home runs. He kind of brought the excitement of Phillies baseball back for me when he came up in 2017 and had as much success as he did. So the fan in me would love to have Reese Hoskins back. I love Reese Hoskins. The guy is a big part of this clubhouse. But the strategic GM cap that I'm putting on tells me that he will not be back with the Phillies this year. And I think Dombrowski might think that as well. So that is kind of where they you know, are at with Reese Hoskins, I think. And to me, if I had to bet money on it right now, I would say that Reese Hoskins is not back with the Phillies next year. But, hey, you never know. It depends, pretty much all depends on what Bryce Harper uh, has to say about him potentially staying at first base or moving back to the outfield. So, uh, the last thing that I was interested in that I mentioned is uh, Dabrowski not really committing to Rojas starting at center field next year. Look, I think Johan Rojas is going to be a really good major leaguer, but he got exposed, man. I know he hit pretty decent during the regular season when he got called up, but these pitchers realized finally that they could attack him up in the zone with the fastball, uh, get the breaking ball away, and the approach was just absolutely horrible in the postseason. It was horrible. We'll look back, and this could end up being a really crucial learning experience for Johan Rojas, but unfortunately, those at bats really costed them at times. And you saw it obviously in game seven of the postseason or of the NLCS, and it would not shock me at the front office. potentially did a couple things. Uh, Bring in a veteran outfielder, maybe to kind of push Johan Rojas a little bit as he tries to make the team in the spring. I think they could also potentially look to deal Christian Pache. It feels like him and Rojas are kind of duplicates. And if you can get some value for Pache after pretty much picking him up for nothing before the year, uh, that would be ideal just to maybe fill some of your other needs at that. But with Rojas here and getting to him one more time before I wrap all this up and make one more point. Uh, This is a massive offseason for Johan Rojas. You hope that he gets the clear water as quick as he can, uh, continues to work with developmental staff, as well as Kevin Long, to just really hone in on an approach so he can get on base and use his speed, because if he does, he becomes a very, very valuable player for you in this baseball team. So, that is some of the stuff I took away from Nebraska yesterday. And, uh... (laughs) I have to say, as a baseball fan, as somebody who absolutely loves baseball and just can't get enough of it during the regular season, play fantasy, everything, I actually have no interest in watching this World Series. Like, I don't even know if I can watch. It is just—makes me sick that this World Series matchup is happening right now. You have the 84-win Diamondbacks, a team that—they were just so much better on paper than man. And it just— The fact that they have to play the Rangers, a team that's inexperienced, and we'll see how they perform. But uh, just got pushed to the brink by the Houston Astros. I really like the Phillies' chances if they got there, man. And it is just such a shame that it had to end like this because this team had all the talent in the world, and they had a World Series winning pitching staff, in my opinion. They had a World Series lineup, one that was so incredibly deep, I think one through eight. You saw with Rojas towards the end, like I just said, Uh, That nine spot became an issue. But one through eight, look, the team's best hitter as the game seven wound down was like Brandon Marsh out of the eight hole. So one through eight, this lineup was absolutely phenomenal. And it just absolutely kills me to see that this team will not be in the World Series. And it's going to take a while to get over. Like this is, I was just trying to put in perspective of losses in my lifetime in Philadelphia sports and all different sports. It's got to be top three for me, no doubt. I mean, 2011 was horrible. Obviously, that team is a 100-plus uh, game winner and was had World Series expectations. Obviously, the pitching staff, we know how good that was. And a lose to the Cardinals, who ended up winning the World Series, massively devastating at the time. Again, another really heartbreaking elimination game in Game 5 there at Citizens Bank Park, uh, where you lose uh, the famous Roy Halladay versus Chris Carpenter matchup. I think of it almost in the same light as the Sixers Hawks series when they lost game seven at home as to just the fact that you never really thought they could lose until they actually did uh so it sort of reminded me of that from a sense and then uh maybe the 2008 NFC championship game I was really young in 2002 so I don't remember the Rondé Barber game and the uh, game that closed out Veterans Stadium but I remember as a little kid uh being eight years old for the, that NFC Championship game in Arizona, I was absolutely crushed that the Eagles could not go to the Super Bowl for the first time uh, that I could really remember. So, And then you, of course, have the Super Bowl for this year. So those are the ones that kind of stuck out to me. But this is one where it's just until next spring training comes up and we start hearing about moves made in the offseason and this World Series passes and you know we can kind of sink our teeth into the Eagles and the Sixers and all these other sports, it's going to be really tough. It's it is not sitting with me well. Even you know a few days later, I still think about it. I still just think, man, this team felt really, really special, and just for them to come up short like this, I'm almost not mad. I'm just really, really disappointed. It just felt like they had the right feel, they had the right roster, they had the right manager, and to not be able to get it done is soul crushing, especially against a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks who simply got in because the, the Cubs just absolutely collapsed towards the end of the season. Like if, if, say, Suzuki catches that ball in Atlanta that went past him and the Braves end up scoring all those runs and the Diamondbacks win and then they get the number six seed, if that doesn't happen, then who knows what we're talking about right now. So you can look back on all these things. It's really depressing to do it, but it just goes to show you that Anything can happen in postseason baseball, and you know you can never take an opponent lightly, and that's potentially what the Phillies did here, and it ended up costing them a trip to the World Series. So, yeah, stinks, man. Really stinks. But that will wrap up a very sad edition of Phillies today. I appreciate everyone tuning in now and throughout the past couple of months of me doing this. There will be more to come on, Philly, on the Phillies 24-7 platform over the offseason, so stay tuned for that. But for now, this has been Justin Morgenstein with another edition of Phillies Today. See ya.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better